0: We go.
1: Tonight on Global News Hour, a dramatic rescue in Surrey where a car crash led to an SUV in the Nickelmeckel River. And we did get some precipitation that helped uh, to manage some of the wildfires. Much needed rain for areas of BC dealing with wildfires and some reprieve for regions dealing with flooding. Plus
2: We don't have any closure. We don't even know how our son died.
1: A call for justice, the memorial one year after a man was fatally stabbed at a Coquitlam dog park.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight. There's been a dramatic rescue in Surrey where a car crash sent a vehicle into the Nicolmeccle River. Global's Travis Prasad joins us with the details. Travis?
2: Yeah, Julie, it was a harrowing ordeal to say the least. A crash involving two vehicles in the 3600 block of 152nd Street ended with one of them careening off the road and into the river with the driver needing to be rescued. Here's a look at the aftermath. A black SUV in the Nicomechel River, only its roof above the water. Two people were in the vehicle. RCMP say the female passenger was able to get out and with the help of a bystander and a police officer, the male driver was pulled from the submerged SUV and given first aid. Police say he was conscious and breathing and taken to hospital for further treatment. This all happened at around 1.30 this afternoon. Police say the black SUV was traveling south on 152nd Street at 36th Avenue when it hit another southbound vehicle and then left the road plunging into the river. Now, as for why this happened, police believe the driver suffered some type of medical event. So 152nd Street will be closed for some time between 36th and 40th Avenue as the investigation continues. Anyone who witnessed the crash or has dashcam footage of it should contact Surrey RCMP. Julie.
1: All right, thank you, Travis. A slight reprieve today for the thousands of British Columbians who had been threatened by fire and floods this weekend. And while danger still exists, the rain that caused rivers to rise in the south is now helping dampen wildfires in the north. Brent Bala has an update.
4: A tower of smoke in northeastern BC, an ominous sign to more than 200 properties in the path of the Boundary Lake fire, get out now.
5: The people that are not supposed to be in there will actually stay out of the area uh, so that the fire crews can do what they need to do.
4: In the village of McBride, the water bombers have done their job. The village is safe, evacuation orders and alerts have been rescinded, and now it's mother nature's turn to extinguish the flames.
6: We did get some precipitation that helped uh, to manage some of the wildfires.
4: So far this year, there have been 115 fires in B.C., compared to 82 at this point last year, and 110 fires on average over the past 10 years. The fires have burned 1,252 hectares as of Thursday, but that's almost four times the 338 hectares that burned at this point last year, well below, however, the 10-year average.
6: I would say that any community that is under risk of wildfire and flood is a concern for us.
4: If fires are the major challenge in the B.C. Peace region, threatening homes in small communities north of Fort St. John, the farther south you go, the more water becomes the problem. Much of the interior along the Canada-U.S. border is under flood watches and warnings. And those watches expanded this weekend to the Fraser River and its tributaries around Prince George in the central interior.
3: The next couple days, we're going to expect to see some some uh, more rapid increases in the river levels through the Upper Fraser Region.
4: In northern BC, Highway 37 is washed out, forcing anyone wanting to travel from Dees Lake to Prince George to make a 1,600-kilometer detour. I don't
2: want to call it two the
4: in the Kootenays, residents of Fruitvale have spent the weekend filling sandbags, struggling to hold back Beaver Creek.
5: It's probably the worst I've ever seen it. We've lived down the, uh, the, by the search and rescue building and for 47 years, and this is the highest I've ever seen it.
4: In Lumby, wildfire crews are busy, but they're sandbagging, helping the community shore up defenses behind the senior center against swelling creeks.
7: They've been here since eight o'clock this morning working and filling
4: bags for us. In Grand Forks, the dikes are holding. The state of local emergency is over, and 34 properties that were on evacuation order have been allowed to return home.
7: I think that Grand Forks is
6: a really fantastic example of how important mitigation is.
4: A brief reprieve as residents remain on alert and flood watches continue. Brett Bala, Global News
1: now, where A desperate firefight continues as more than two dozen out-of-control wildfires threaten communities all over the province. Since last week, nearly 30,000 people have had to leave their homes. But as Global's Blank Law reports, at least one part of the province is seeing their fortunes change for the better.
8: It's a sound so many Albertans have been desperate to hear. The rain finally falling in Hinton where parking lots and campsites are full of evacuees who fled a large wildfire burning out of control near Edson. We love it. Right now we need it bad. It wasn't raining enough but it was raining. Fire officials agree the change in weather has given crews the opportunity to fight back.
2: When we see that uh, lifting in, in conditions, a little bit of humidity and coolness, It means that our firefighters can actually get a little closer to areas of the fire they had not been able to get into before and and that can be very big for us.
8: But the overall picture is still bleak. Officials confirming 108 fires are actively burning, 31 of them out of control. Much of northern Alberta is still a tinderbox. Reinforcements are arriving. 80 wildland firefighters from Ontario and Quebec touched down on Saturday. And more are expected in the week ahead as Alberta put the call out to the rest of the country and some American states.
7: Are there a bunch of dogs inside? Yeah, there's like a couple.
8: In the throes of a contentious provincial election, a show of cooperation. UCP leader Danielle Smith and her political rival, Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley, arrived at an Edmonton evacuation center to meet with displaced families.
7: There's gonna be a hard campaign that we still have to do, but I think these next few days, we're just wanting to make sure that Albertans uh, know that the the leadership is unified and making sure that they get the supports they need. We're here, and I was here mostly to just say, listen, you know, your government, uh, regardless of what's going on with the election, is gonna have your back.
8: With resources stretched thin over an extraordinary distance, those displaced are watching and waiting.
7: I much as
0: we're camping, I'm out with my family. I should be happy. I'm, I'm worried. I, I want to be there.
8: The timeline for a return home still uncertain. Blake Law, Global News.
1: We're getting more information today on a bizarre car crash that sent a teenager to hospital with critical injuries. The incident happened early Saturday afternoon at the intersection of Imperial Street and Patterson Avenue. RCMP say the vehicle veered onto the sidewalk and struck a 19-year-old pedestrian. He remains in hospital in serious condition. Investigators have spoken with the driver and say impairment has been ruled out. Burnaby RCMP are seeking witnesses and dashcam video. It was one year ago that a young man was fatally stabbed in a confrontation with a stranger in a Coquitlam dog park. Today, family and friends gathered to the spot to remember Anton Osipchuk and united in a call for justice. Catherine Urquhart reports.
9: Outside Glen Elementary School in Coquitlam, A small gathering is held to mark a devastating one-year anniversary. The stabbing death of 29-year-old Anton Osipchuk.
2: It was really heartbreaking to our family. Still, we haven't yet a closure on our son's death.
9: Osipchuk's friend, John Sabani says the two had walked their dogs in that area many times before. But one night last May, there was an altercation and words exchanged with three other males. He says it happened after one of their dogs approached the group.
10: Right away I start yelling at the kid, drop the f- knife, drop the f- knife. I didn't want him to have a knife in his hand.
9: Ossip Chuck was stabbed several times and died. An arrest was made but there were no charges. BC Prosecution Service said after a careful review of all the investigative material submitted by IHIT investigators, no charges were approved in the case. The family says they were told the main reason charges were declined was on the basis of self-defense.
10: When you deem something like this as self-defense, you're, you're rubbing Anton's name through the dirt.
9: Back at the scene of the fatal stabbing, friends and family say the justice system has failed them.
2: I totally crushed. In addition that our son was brutally more murdered, it's in, another stab in, in the back from the Crown council side. The justice just failed us.
9: This grieving father says there must be charges to provide justice for his son and ensure a safer
1: community. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Homicide investigators have released new images hoping to help solve a Surrey murder. It was Tuesday night when shots were fired near 108th Avenue and 148th Street. 20-year-old Jaden Prasad was killed. A person with him suffered non-life-threatening injuries. iHead has now released pictures of a 2020 blue Hyundai Elantra with a distinct red-rimmed spare tire on the driver's side. It was found a short time later in Langley. Police say the suspects attempted to light it on fire, but failed. Crime Stoppers is shining a spotlight on contraband cigarette sales in BC. At a conference in Kelowna this weekend, several guests were invited to explain the issues that illegal cigarettes cause for retailers, plus the dangers that affect entire communities. Kimberly Davidson reports.
7: Crime Stoppers has a message for British Columbians.
2: If they are buying contraband tobacco, They're funding organized crime.
7: BC Crime Stoppers hosting its annual training conference in Kelowna this weekend for Crime Stoppers personnel. This year, the focus is on contraband cigarettes, something convenience store operators say are reducing the sales of legal cigarettes by between 30 and 40 percent. Cigarette taxes are the the highest in in British Columbia in the country. I think it's about $145 to buy a carton. Contraband, on the other hand, is is $60 in cash. So, you know, it's really tough for our law-abiding retailers to actually compete against contraband tobacco, especially when it's everywhere in British Columbia. According to the province, in 2019, over 5 million illegal cigarettes were seized during an undercover investigation conducted with local law enforcement agencies. During that operation, approximately 3.6 million cigarettes were seized in Surrey, 1.6 million in Vancouver, and 82,000 in Kelowna.
8: To organize crime, the commodity is somewhat irrelevant. When it comes to contraband tobacco, drugs or guns, they don't really care. And, and uh, when they, they're into a business or so get into a business, and they may, the only thing they want to do is make money off of it.
7: The problem, according to Danny Fournier, is not the illegal cigarettes. It's the violence that he says always comes with organized crime. And that's where Crime Stoppers comes in.
2: That's our role, is to uh, educate the public on the reach of organized crime into the community and really encourage people to help fight crime.
7: To report the sale of contraband cigarettes, you can call Crime Stoppers and leave an anonymous tip, or you can do it online.
1: Well, quite an exciting find for a young boy in Coquitlam this past week. Seven-year-old Domenico Perezolo is a big fan of dinosaurs and fossils, having visited Drumheller, Alberta last year. This past week, he was digging in his backyard near Como Lake when he found a rock with a crack in it. It turns out it contained what appears to be a fossilized
6: clam. So I hit it on the crack with my mallet three times. Yeah. And I hit it one more time and it cracked open beautifully and I saw the fossils, I ran up stairs and showed them to my dad.
10: Quite honestly, I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> As a kid I was always into dinosaurs and fossils and at one point I wanted to be a paleontologist myself. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just absolutely cool that right in our own backyard he managed to find some fossilized clams. It's not something I would have expected.
1: Very, very cool. Well, the family is still looking to find an expert who can confirm exactly what they found. Coming up on Global News Hour, a worsening situation. A group of B.C. medics is wrapping up their mission in Ukraine. What they've been seeing on the front lines, which is cause for concern across the globe. And then a Wagner Group boss appears to backtrack on a threat to pull fighters from Bakhmut in Ukraine. No stories when we come back. A group of BC medics is wrapping up another overseas mission to help those affected by the war in Ukraine. While the conflict may have dropped from the headlines in recent weeks, our Julia Foy found out the situation has become much worse than what it was just months ago.
5: The mayhem continues in Ukraine as soldiers and civilians get caught in the violence and destruction caused by the Russian invasion. But across the border in Poland, the Canadian Ukraine Foundation surgical aid team is back to help.
4: We have our work cut out for us. There are 52 team members, and these are volunteers from across Canada
5: we first met the Qsap team in december when surgeons nurses and medical staff spent 10 days rebuilding faces limbs and lives
0: it was very uh, a really rewarding experience just to be able to go out and help um, there's so many people out there who in heart who are in so much need of help
5: out there The team focuses on reconstructive surgery and the need of victims continues to grow.
4: The trauma that we're seeing is probably worse, a clearly greater number of casualties, greater number of civilians that are affected by this.
5: Over 50 patients are expected to have complex surgeries in the coming days. Some patients are returning for ongoing procedures. Global introduced you previously to two who have suffered greatly. Oksana, a mother who lost her son when a missile destroyed her home. She lost an eye and half of her face was disfigured. Olena, a grandmother who suffered several injuries in her lower body when her home was bombed as well. Both women received operations in December and the success was easy to see and hear this week the canadian surgeons completed a new round of surgeries on the two women and their smiles show their progress but the war back home in ukraine is far from over
0: just i hope the message gets spread that things have not stopped out there things are still going they're escalating
4: I feel committed to do everything possible for a decade or more to come because I think that need will be that great.
5: The Canada-Ukraine Foundation surgical team members will be heading home in the coming days. Then the fundraising will begin again in the hopes of coming back to help give life to those fighting to hang on. Julia Foy, Global News.
1: The head of the Russian mercenary organization, the Wagner Group, has apparently reversed his threat to withdraw his troops from the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut. It has been the location of fierce fighting for months with little movement on the battle lines. On Friday, a Wagner boss posted a gruesome video of the bodies of his mercenaries threatening to withdraw from the contested city unless Moscow supplies more arms. On Sunday, Yevgeny Progogin said he had now been told he would get the ammunition he needed. Analysts say his primary motivation is likely to protect himself and his reputation.
2: Let's please remember that Purgosin, uh doesn't really have okay, power in Moscow. That's, he's got to create it on his own. He's got to be indispensable all right, and useful for the Kremlin.
1: Further west on the front lines, Russia is now evacuating towns near the Europe's largest nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. That coming ahead of an anticipated Ukraine counteroffensive. The UN's Atomic Energy Agency boss says he is extremely concerned about the situation. To the United Kingdom now, where following the extravagant coronation of King Charles, today's celebrations were more down-to-earth. No fancy invite needed for the big lunch. The British tradition is intended to bring neighbours together to celebrate the crowning, even as support for the monarchy wanes. Tria Isri has more on the debate raging in the UK and abroad about the king's place in modern day.
0: High tea, a centuries-old tradition that continues to this day. Dainty china, scones and biscuits. Chocolate tart with hummingbird chocolate. It doesn't get more British than this. But even in this tea room, some of the attitudes about the royals are lukewarm.
4: The whole issue of the monarchy is kind of, I'm indifferent or it could go away and it wouldn't bother me.
0: Welcome to have a look and choose these friends are more definitive. They want out. With the colonial aspect and the imperial aspect, That it's just really outdated. Now that it's Charles, all of my interests have just <laughs> gone down the drain. There's indifference about the monarchy, even disdain. And then there are countries who want to break ties entirely. And that list of nations is growing. Fifteen countries recognize King Charles as head of state. But six Caribbean nations are considering leaving the monarchy and following in the footsteps of Barbados, which became a republic two years ago.
2: It is a symbol of white privilege. Um, For some people, it is a symbol of white supremacy.
0: Jamaica wants to do away with that symbol. It plans to leave the monarchy by 2025 and is fighting for slavery reparations from Britain.
7: I continue to deepen my own understanding of slavery's enduring impact.
0: For this professor of Caribbean history, the king's recent remarks
4: fall short. Prince Charles um, was present at the ceremony,
2: acknowledged the place of histories of slavery in the country's decision, but couldn't bring himself to apologize.
0: In Canada, there are those who believe the royals are still relevant.
10: In an era where there is more and more dissatisfaction with politicians who are seen as a source of Um, um, division, um, there is great uh, advantage in having this uh, ceremonial figurehead that is quite the opposite and is a symbol of unity.
0: For others, it's simpler to keep the status quo.
6: It's easier to just leave things as they are than to change things up.
0: A debate about whether to toast or toss a royal relationship. Taria Isri, Global News, Ottawa.
1: Still to come on Global News Hour, following behind other municipalities. Another city in Metro Vancouver is considering a program to allow drinking in parks. Plus, we'll tell you about this special family in the Vancouver Marathon, never giving up and raising money for a wonderful cause. Stay with us. We're learning more tonight about a plan to build a new city hall in Burnaby. Mayor Mike Hurley says they looked at upgrading the current 68-year-old building on Canada Way, but it would cost about $70 million. The city says it needs serious upgrades to bring it up to code, but the mayor says it wouldn't cost much more to build a new building in the Metro Town area. He says a new facility would bring all administrative services under one roof and be more accessible for staff and the public.
3: That's why we, have, we just looked and said it doesn't make sense to spend that kind of money on that building. And it would be nice to return where the building is right now to park and, and turn it into parkland and have that an even more successful park by Deer Lake than it is now.
1: A public engagement process will be launched later this spring. Another city in Metro Vancouver is considering a program for drinking in parks. Burnaby City Council will be looking at a report this Monday recommending staff develop a pilot program to allow alcohol consumption in select city parks this summer. Many municipalities in the Lower Mainland including Vancouver, North Van, Port Coquitlam and New Westminster have previously developed similar programs report from Burnaby staff says they've all had generally positive experiences. If approved by council, staff will work with select potential locations and present the program to council in June. Thousands of people packed the streets of Vancouver today for the BMO Vancouver Marathon. One team, though, had to overcome more than a few challenges to make it across the finish line. But as Grace Key reports, they pushed through for a good cause which are the families who are helped by Canuck Place.
11: As 13-year-old Charlie Ann Cox approaches the finish line at the BMO Vancouver Marathon, she's got one thing on her mind, faster. With team Charlie's Angels Joy Runners right by her side, they don't disappoint.
0: How do you feel doing it with your two dads this year for the first time ever? Uh AND THEY BOTH PUSHED YOU THROUGH. Uh ARE YOU READY TO PARTY? Uh. YEAH.
11: (laughs) THEY BOTH PUSHED charlie Ann THROUGH BECAUSE HER ELECTRIC WHEELCHAIR GAVE OUT DURING THE HALF MARATHON. BUT THAT'S PART OF THEIR MESSAGE. NEVER GIVE UP.
0: WE DIDN'T HAVE A GREAT DIAGNOSIS WHEN SHE WAS uh, SIX MONTHS OLD. WE WERE GIVEN A FEW MONTHS. And here we are, this is her third half marathon. She's done plenty of 10Ks, 5K runs, and her team has raised over $400,000 now. It feels good to give
11: back. Charlie-Ann has spinal muscular atrophy type 1, a genetic condition that causes muscle weakness, affecting movement, speech, breathing, and swallowing. Since she was nine months old, she's been on the Canuck Place program. She and her family have a goal to raise $60,000 for the pediatric palliative care provider.
0: They mean everything to us. They're the only person that's been there, the only place that's been there since the very beginning in that way, in the all-encompassing way that they are.
11: The family isn't slowing down with more races and fundraisers in the future.
0: And her smile through that finish line saying, hurry, hurry, we're losing. Best part, best part. I used to think it was just for me. We're gotten to the age now where
1: she's, she's, she's addicted. Woo, Charlie Ann.
11: Grace Key, Global News.
1: Just ahead on the news hour, an incredible journey. Inspired by Terry Fox, one man's mission to cycle across Canada to raise money for MS research when we come back.
3: BC's big news. The 2023 Canadian Screen Awards have named Global News Hour at 6 the country's best local newscast. Thank you, BC, for making Global News Hour at 6 your choice for news.
1: Yvonne is here,
6: and today was a huge improvement (laughs) from the, what did we say, May. (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) A nice improvement. Yeah, we got some breaks in there and Julie, the long-range forecast, temperatures are really going to start to warm up. I'll outline that in just a moment, but we do have some instability for a few areas and we're still on flood watch for many. So first off right now, beautiful shot out there. Overnight tonight for most areas across Metro Vancouver, it'll be dry. The plan is some fog patches will be in the mix. We'll see that for a Monday morning heading out for work or school and then it'll ease off through the afternoon. Pleasant temperatures will be closer to 17 degrees. We do have a bit of instability, though, that is going to be across the province, especially the southern half extending into the southern interior. Here's what we're tracking, though, still in terms of our flood watches and warnings. The flood warning for the boundary, the Okanagan, as well as Cache Creek, and the flood watch, those are the areas that we're seeing in orange. Those areas could exceed bank and we're going to see those temperatures soaring in the coming days, so still a big concern right across the region. Wanted to show the long-range forecast. So the beginning of the week, temperatures right around the average, but as we get in towards the end of the week, a warm spell is going to kick in we'll see some of the warmest temperatures into next weekend we'll be into the upper 20s potentially up to 30 degrees and areas in towards the interior there's that surge in temperatures we'll be watching it very closely we'll be back into the low 30s so anticipate that through the week by the end of the week and in towards next weekend we'll start to see that bump in temperatures now the northern half of the province will climb up to 12 degrees Fort Nelson in the northeastern corners of the province we do still have a smoky skies bulletin so those areas over the next 24 and 48 hours if you do have respiratory issues, you want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors and the instability for the peace will bump up to 19 with that risk of a thunderstorm. All areas in towards the southern half of the province and extending into the southeastern corners will see the potential or the risk of thunderstorms and it'll still be unsettled leading in towards our Tuesday. Now across the island, Victoria included within that, a few spots will pop up. We'll even see it in towards the Fraser Valley. We could see that slight potential or the risk of a thunderstorm and then it should start to ease off. We'll have temperatures through the day tomorrow, climbing up to 7. It's the morning hours. We'll see some fog patches. Now, Julie, I don't typically bring out the 7-day forecast, but I just wanted to outline the temperature trend that we'll be seeing. We'll likely be hanging on to that sunshine into next week with some of the warmest temperatures Saturday and Sunday, highs between 24 and 25. Back to you.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Yvonne. A cyclist has embarked on a 6,000-kilometer journey across Canada to raise money for MS research and to support people living with the disease. Jonathan Allinger left Kitts Beach on his bike this morning and is aiming to arrive in St. John's, Newfoundland 50 days from now on June 26th. He was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis 10 years ago. This cross-country journey is inspired by Terry Fox.
8: There's a real urgency for me to do this journey now because I had a recent uh, flare-up myself, which led to some mental health uh, issues and a trip to the emergency room and whatnot, panic attacks. And so for me, uh, not knowing what the future holds, the uncertainty that comes with an MS diagnosis has really led me to want to do this journey now versus waiting uh, for the future.
1: Allinger's goal is to raise $1 million for MS Canada on his trip and to inspire other Canadians to dream big. Well Barry. A lot uh, of mountains
10: to climb. Across this country. Good for him.
1: Yeah really. Um, So you got lots going on today in sports. Yeah
10: as always there's some Stanley Cup action going on right now. We'll fill you in on that. But uh, lots of soccer as well. Vancouver FC the Canadian Premier League expansion team played their first game in their new stadium in Langley. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. Hey and the Whitecaps scored some goals last night finally. (laughs) So we'll take a look back at their 3-2 win uh, over Minnesota coming up.
1: Okay thanks so much Barry. Well coming up on Global News Hour a way to pass on traditions. We'll tell you about a new series that's showcasing the adventures and teachings of Indigenous guides and elders in the wilderness. Stay with us.
3: This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies group. 50 years of trust in your community.
1: A new season is about to begin for a show that's received critical acclaim. Yukon Harvest on APTN is a documentary series chronicling the adventures of indigenous guides and hunters as they journey into the wilderness. Jay Durant shows us what it's all about in today's This is BC.
4: Mm. Mm. Back for a second season, Yukon Harvest follows indigenous hunters and guides in the Canadian North and parts of BC, taking a look at the experiences of reconnecting with the land.
10: We are learning as we are, as we're making it. And I think that there's a real educational value to this show. We're really just following what's going on out there. We go in with a really loose plan.
4: Ed Jensen has a prominent role. For him and others featured in the series, this is about sharing tradition and helping to teach younger generations. These bits and pieces that that need to be passed down, uh, need to be passed down in a, in a way that uh, that's pretty clear and, and pretty authentic. The things that I, I've learned here, in the interior, and in the you know, up in the mountains and along the rivers, uh, might be a little bit different than uh, things that are learned, uh, say, down in the, the coastal
8: areas or or up in the north. This is your home. This land is your home.
4: Yukon Harvest has been nominated for several Canadian Screen Awards. The series offers an intimate look at personal healing, traditional culture, and the bonding within many communities, all told through some inspiring stories along the way.
10: For a lot of people, it's a little bit life-changing in in that sense, in terms of um, maybe their path of life was going one way. Thank you for coming. It's almost a connection to who you are. It's a
2: connection to where your traditions lie and where your culture is from. There's something really special when you see uh, like the young kids especially get out there in
10: the outdoors and they start learning the tra- traditional practices with their elders and with the knowledge keepers. It's, it's really special.
8: Looks like you and me are bonded
4: forever, bro. Jay Durant, Global News.
1: If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to Jay at globalnews.ca. To Orillia, Ontario now, where a public visitation has taken place for Canadian music legend Gordon Lightfoot. He passed away earlier this week at the age of 84. Global's Alan Carter has more.
3: Gordon Lightfoot's music plays across the street from a church in Aurelia. I've known Gordon all my life, I've lived in Aurelia all my life, and he lived a great life. Mourners lined up to say farewell to the musician who was born in this city, 150 kilometers north of Toronto in 1938. Lightfoot was respected internationally, but revered locally.
2: The fact that he loved this city, and it really meant a lot to him, and um, he's never, he never forgot his roots.
3: Telling stories of Canada in song, of railroads and shipwrecks, Lightfoot was both musician and history teacher.
4: I had to uh, come and send my prayers to Gord for all the things that he's done and opened up a lot of stories of indigenous uh, culture you know, to many people.
3: If Aurelia was his hometown, Massey Hall in Toronto was his home away from home. He performed there more than 70 times. He continued to perform until he was no longer able to, telling his longtime bass player and friend.
10: I think the last, he repeated this a few times, but I think he said my, my life's work is done was probably, I would think, the la, one of the last things he spoke.
3: It's that life's
10: work, Lightfoot's music,
3: that brought fans to this visitation.
2: All the times listening to him, <clears throat> good times in bed, uh, he's just always been there.
3: He never forgot Auraria, and you know, we knew it. So like I say, welcome back home Gord. it's where you belong. Today, the bells at this church chimed 29 times, just like the line from the famous Gordon Lightfoot song commemorating the lives lost on the Edmund Fitzgerald. And then the bell rang one final time for Lightfoot himself. Alan Carter, Global News, Aurelia.
1: Still to come, highlights from the new digs, the home opener for the Vancouver FC against the Cavalry when we return with sports.
10: Get immersed in the world of dinosaurs at Jurassic Quest. Enjoy an interactive adventure and observe a herd of life-size animatronic dinosaurs. See a live raptor show, rides, inflatables, and more. JurassicQuest.ca for info. May is National Physiotherapist Month. Throughout the month, engage with free online resources and hear stories from BC's devoted physiotherapists to learn about the vital role physios play in team-based care. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman.
3: Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Build your community. Global BC Community
10: Hub. Bringing your worlds together.
1: Barry's here with sports, and you got some soccer, mm-hmm. first of
10: all. We've been talking a lot of soccer. When your hockey team is out, uh, you know, like three four, four weeks ago, you you switch to you summer switch. quickly, and we're, yep. we're full summer mode. All right, thanks, Julie. Uh, Vancouver FC, they are an expansion team in the Canadian Premier League, and today they played their first-ever home match in their brand-new stadium in Langley. The team is off to a decent start with a win, a draw, and a loss in their first three games played on the road, and they were hoping to put on an entertaining show for the sellout crowd that uh, showed up to witness it memorable moment for these players opening up the new stadium near the Langley events center capacity 6500 opening half not much to report until Rocco Romeo with the shoulder to the head during this challenge it did not look intentional but Romeo gets the red card Vancouver FC down to 10 men after just 30 minutes early second half cavalry get on the board Vancouver can't clear and it's Mickey Cantab who finds the corner and it's 1-nil Cavalry but just five minutes later an historic moment for Vancouver FC long ball into the box and it's Sean Hundal with the defender all over him still manages to punch the ball into the corner first ever Vancouver FC home goal. And the celebration is on, it's 1-1. Cavalry had some great chances, but Callum Irving, the Vancouver FC captain, made some big saves late, including this one deep into stoppage time. And it ends 1-1, pretty good result, playing a man down for the last 65 minutes. The White Caps finally broke through offensively last night, finding the back of the old onion bag three times in a 3-2 win over Minnesota at BC Place. The win moves the Caps into seventh in the West, and gives them some confidence that they can convert some of those glorious chances they seem to get. Brian White led the way with two goals for Vancouver.
2: It's definitely been a difficult year. I think
5: there's been a lot of um, opportunities that... For whatever reason, they're just not falling in. The goalies are making good saves, and then some of them obviously haven't have been uh, good enough in the final third. But I think a lot of times it just comes down to luck. I mean, like the save he had today with his toe, save last week with his outside of his thumb. I think uh, for me, it's just about staying confident and, and trying to get in those positions game after game and believing that they're going to start falling. I think we should have scored even more goals. Like we have three chances like the one that Saint Clair made a great save, the one that Pedro had in out and the one that Pedro at the end to score the full goal that for two that is open net and they save with the player so yes I think that we responded very well finalizing some of the chances I think the challenge is to finalize it even more
10: all right let's go to the ice Stanley Cup playoffs game three Leafs and Panthers from Florida Panthers won the first two in Toronto so pressure on the Leafs they got off to a great start Perfectly executed two on one David Kempf to Sam Lafferty huge fourth line contribution that's one nothing early second Luke Shen back checking crashes into his own goalie Ilya Samsonov. Samsonov's injured had to leave the game so Joseph Wall comes into the Leaf net and just two minutes later he gets to face a breakaway and Anthony Duclair made a great move stuffs it home to tie it one one but the Leafs get it back and it's another unlikely source Eric Gustafson with the fake and the pass it's deflected in though by Mark Stahl Gustafson gets credit for the goal and the Leafs have a two one lead but the Panthers will tie it the point shot goes off the pants of Carter Verhege. Sometimes you have to have a little luck. Good bounce for the Panthers. 2-2, we need overtime. And just moments ago, West Van Sam Reinhardt with the wraparound pass wall, and that's a huge win for Florida. Tough loss for the Leafs. Now trailed the series three games to none in new jersey game three devils and hurricanes luke hughes making his playoff debut wears number 43 just like his oldest brother quinn his other brother jack gets the devils off to a fast start whistles the high wrister past freddie anderson two nothing new jersey second period now 4-1 luke hughes showing his amazing talents keeping this play alive and he and jack assist on this goal by cam seberson five one Devils in control they were never in the games in Carolina the home teams dominating and that's former Vancouver giant Jordan Martinuk got fouled on a breakaway penalty shot and he scores one of three shorthanded goals by the Hurricanes but Jack Hughes was a force he had four points Luke had two assists as the Devils wallop the Canes 8-4 Carolina though still leads the series two games to one. Blue Jays and Pirates completing their three-game set in Pittsburgh third inning Whit Merrifield will crush a three-run homer to left Merrifield 34-year-old vet having a good year four RBI on the days the Blue Jays uh, enjoyed themselves in Pittsburgh after getting swept in a four-game set at Fenway earlier this week You say Kikuchi was terrific again six and a third shutout innings Goes to 5-0 and oh on the season after struggling mightily last year as the Jays sweep the Bucks. 10-1 the final, Toronto now 21-14 and 14 on the season. Formula 1, the Miami Grand Prix, points leader Max Verstappen starting ninth on the grid, but it didn't take him long to work his way to the front. Finally pitted to get fresh tires with just 12 laps to go and then quickly passed his Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez, who was on the pole, and Verstappen took it home his second straight win at Miami, the race is only two years old. Third win of the year for Verstappen, he's second in the other two races as he extends his lead atop the standings over Sergio Perez, his teammate. Canadian Lance Stroll was 12th. As they soak each other with the victory champagne. NBA playoffs, game four, 76ers Celtics from Philly. Philly blew a nine point fourth quarter lead, but James Harden hits the tough runner in the lane to send this one to overtime, Harden 39 points in regulation. And then in OT, it's Harden again from the corner. Hits the three to give the Sixers a one-point lead with 18 seconds to go. Celtics, though, with a chance to win it on the last possession. Jason Tatum to Marcus Smart, who drains the three. But did he get it off in time? And no, you can see he did not. Sixers win at 116-115. That series tied two all. Back to soccer English Premiership second place Arsenal in desperate need of a win to keep their championship hopes alive visiting third place Newcastle and the Gunners get the jump in the 14th minute Martin Odegaard the Norwegian with a fantastic strike from distance from 30 yards out. Erling Haaland's not the only Norwegian who can score in this league. 1-0 Arsenal and then in the second half, Gabrielle Martinelli with the fancy footwork. His shot goes in off a defender for an own goal. Arsenal take care of business. They win 2-0 but they still trail Man City by one point and they have played. One more match. Meanwhile, Manchester United with a chance to jump past Newcastle into third, visiting West Ham, but disastrous goalkeeping from David De Gea, who does have 15 clean sheets this season but has been bitten by weak goals all year. Said Ben Rama should never score from there, but that was the only goal 1 0 no West Ham as Man United remained fourth and we'll finish with some golf final round of the wells fargo championship from charlotte north carolina surrey's adam Spencer had a good deja vu and a bad deja vu today first hole yesterday he holed out from a bunker today does it again for a birdie but yesterday he made a quadruple bogey on 18. today he made a quadruple bogey on 17. cost him a lot of money finished tied 27th but he still won 137000 US dollars. It was a breakthrough week for Wyndham Clark. Great approach at the 14th to uh, three feet to set up a birdie. And Clark won this one going away. He finished at 19 under, four better than Xander Schoefeli as Wyndham Clark gets his first ever PGA Tour win. And I think he wins something like uh, three and a half million dollars.
1: Aww, that's too bad. But
10: he worked hard, so he (laughs) deserves all that money. I'll have to say, the money is definitely up in a lot of the tournaments. so they're, you know, twenty million dollar purse. Three and a half million is pretty good.
1: They deserve it. I um, guess.
10: Yeah, well, they're the best and the best. Yeah. Just like we do, but yeah. we're not quite at that level. We line.
1: don't. We don't make that money. Next no. time. All right. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> well, still to come, we'll tell you about a free half-day clinic helping girls get into the game of hockey. Stay with us. Hockey is for all, and there's no better example of that than this morning in Burnaby. It was the Scotiabank Girls Hockey Fest today, a free half-day clinic helping girls get into the game. <laughs> it's all focused on having fun while building some skills. Marlin Boissonneau, a two-time Olympic gold medalist and eight-time world champion, Was just one of the familiar faces on the ice she says it's about building a foundation that not only allows them to understand hockey but to thrive playing it
2: i think it's super important you have to have something like this that actually shows the girls that you can play the sport and actually feel comfortable doing it right all of us have been in their shoes at one point or another so to have that environment for them to kind of grow their confidence within the sport and feel comfortable trying and failing and falling and all that stuff i think is absolutely crucial for their growth and Uh, you know eventual really enjoyment of the sport so i think that's an event like this is really crucial for that for sure
1: of course we all love that idea
10: we all love hockey it's good to see them out there they're so little
1: so cute. the
10: little ones often are the best skaters because they have to be.
1: Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. At least you can have speed or whatever. <laughs> so what about weather? What do we got coming up
6: here again? We got a warm week coming up when we're going to build in the coming days. Right. So a bit of fog for tomorrow morning that may seem deceiving, but it really will start to clear out in the coming days. And really, if you are making plans, it's as we get in Friday onwards into next weekend that we'll see some of those temperatures soaring once again. Okay, thank you, thank you both. Well, thanks for being with us. Have a great night.